Hello, I'm Margaret and you're listening to Going Vegan. Welcome to the Going Vegan show everybody. I'm Anthony and as you've heard today we're joined by Margaret. Can you imagine trying to go vegan before the internet? before there's vegan ready meals in every supermarket, before really anyone else around you knows what veganism is. Pretty daunting. Well, do you know what? You don't need to imagine that because we're about to hear from somebody who went vegan over 50 years ago and is still going strong. This is an absolute must-listen episode and the great news is you're in the right place. So sit back and relax and enjoy this conversation with Margaret. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us and for for giving us your time today. We know each other a little bit prior to our conversation, but I don't know that we've necessarily talked about the start of your vegan journey and and all things the beginning. So I'm I'm new to this myself too. Do, do you want to start us off by by telling us like maybe those first seeds of veganism or or that, you know, living in this slightly different way might be something that you'd be interested in? How did it all begin? Well, I was 16. It was 1968. And I always loved animals, lived in the heart of the country, always surrounded by animals, wildlife, pets, farm animals. In fact, my bedroom window overlooked the pens with the calves and cows were kept when they were separated. So that wasn't very pleasant. And I never liked the thought of animals being killed for me to eat. But And I'd heard of vegetarians, but, you know, didn't know, didn't know anything about them. And eating meat was the norm. Went into a sweet shop after school one day, bought some jelly sweets. And the shopkeeper said, I don't eat those. They contain gelatin. Gelatin is made from the bones of dead animals. I don't eat dead animals. I'm a vegetarian. And I just thought, right, I'm going to be a vegetarian. I can do that. Went to a health food shop, picked up a leaflet from the Vegetarian Society, and there was an advert for the Vegan Society. And that was it. That night, vegan and vegetarian overnight. No way. Just from a sweet shop. That's incredible. (laughs) And when you think it was a shopkeeper who said, I don't eat those, you know, and that was his living selling them. But it, it was just that. As I said, always loving animals and never liking the thought of them being killed for me to eat them, but didn't really think of not doing it because mm. I never met a vegetarian, never heard of veganism. Golly. So take take us inside your mind then. Obviously, you said it's 1968, so it's a, it's a little way back, we're, we're thinking now. But like you've said it as if it was just as easy as anything but like, was was there trepidation there? Was there uh, doubts? Or do you think I'm just going to try this out and see what happens? Like what's going on in your mind at, at, in that moment? Absolutely no trepidation at all. I was determined from that moment on, I wasn't going to eat anything else from an animal. But I was really, really lucky that my parents were so supportive because you couldn't just go to the supermarket and get something vegan in those days. My mom had to do a lot of home baking, mm-hmm. including bread. Bread had animal fats in it. Biscuits had animal fats in it. Health food shop managed to get proto-veg, dried soya protein, chunks and mints. Sosmix, that was around then. Yeah. Nuttolene in tins. And the only dairy alternative, dairy milk alternative, was 
Flamel soya plant milk, which was in a tin and it was concentrated and it was lovely. Yeah. Pioneered by, by that fantastic gentleman, Arthur Ling. Yeah. So it was really, really different in those days. And going out, you know, <laughs> that was a no-no. You might be lucky to get a baked potato <laughs> if you phone beforehand, but you would have to take your own margarine to put on it. Yeah, yeah, gosh. So ob- obviously a lot of things were not conducive to, to living as a vegan in, in, in those days. But you, you've mentioned like your your mum was very supportive. Mm. Is that a, is that a game changer for you? Like, do you think you, you would have been able to do it w- with, with a different r- response from your family? To be honest, I probably wouldn't. No, I prob- probably would have stopped <laughs> because you, you, you just couldn't go into the shop and buy something. As I said, you couldn't get a loaf of bread then. That was animal fats. Mm. So, you know, without my mum cooking everything from scratch, making the most delicious steamed nut meat, which I've never, ever managed to get something as tasty as my mum's. Um, no, I, I think I probably would have been scuppered. I would have starved. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did they have? Did, did your mum have concerns? She did about me being vegan because she'd never heard of vegans. Mm. And she went to the health food shop um, and, you know, asked them what they thought. And because they didn't know anything about veganism either, they only knew about vegetarians. They said, oh, well, yes, you'll be okay. You can be okay on a vegetarian diet, but oh, I don't know about a vegan diet. Thank goodness, you know, that ignorance is perhaps too strong a word. Just, you know, not knowing is is is, is gone. <laughs> yeah. Particularly in a health food shop, people do know that veganism can be an extremely healthy diet. Yeah. Can you remember what that leaflet said then? Because you, you said you picked it up in a health food shop. Yeah, it was an advert for the Vegan Society. To the best of my memory, it was about joining the Vegan Society, an advert, you know, come and join us, which I did. Mm. Um and you know, got all the gen from there. Yeah. What what were the what were the biggest obstacles would would you say to, to the the start of your journey there? Because there's there's clearly practical difficulties that you've spoken of. But I, I mean, just speaking from a personal point of view, like the social side of things I've I've found probably more difficult because you kind of get used to the the practicalities. Well, I can speak from you know, going vegan in 2010, like it, it didn't take too long to get used to those practicalities. Like, was there one side of things that was more of an obstacle than, than others? I suppose I looked different. I was different. It didn't particularly bother me. And, you know, I'm the sort of person that anybody takes a mick, you know, I just laugh along with them, whatever it is. And going out, you're different. Um, and <laughs> It probably didn't do the course much good actually going out because, as I say, you're lucky if you had a baked potato, but you had to take your own margarine to put on it. When people had birthdays at work, they'd bring in cake. They were great because they always brought me in an apple and orange. I was always included. But I must have looked really strange, you know, and it wasn't very encouraging to get people to be, be vegan, you know, that they couldn't have the cake that everybody else was eating. They have to have a healthy orange or apple. Yeah. It's also different now. You know, we can all have donuts. We can all have cake. Absolutely. Yeah. And and thank goodness for that. So so what what helped keep you going then through through those difficulties? It was literally just conscience that I just wouldn't want an animal to suffer for me. Mm. And 
you know, I just, I just, I couldn't possibly have, have eaten anything that had got any animal products in it because I would have thought about them. I would have thought about the dairy cows calling for their calves, which, as I said, I, you know, I could hear them when I went upstairs to bed. And so it was my conscience. Mm. Just, just wouldn't, wouldn't have gone back. Well, that, well, all power to you. That's, that's really admirable. Did anything surprise you about your your first steps into veganism? Because I mean, it, it it sounds to me like it all happened so quickly. You perhaps didn't have too much time to think about it and have too many preconceptions. But my conversations with others has revealed a lot of people have found that the journey has taken them to places they wouldn't have perhaps thought possible beforehand. Is that something you've experienced? Because I was 16 and still living at home and my mum did all the cooking, so I didn't have to think of anything like that. To meet another vegan, I had to go all the way to London from Lower Broad Heath, right in the heart of the country, Um, completely different (laughs) to be in London. And there I was, you know, in this lovely little village. And that was the only time I would meet a vegan for many, many years. And what was that like? Was that like completely eye-opening or just incidental? I think it was just encouraging. You know, it was nice. It was nice to be with others, people who understood and people who realised that you could do it. Can I ask, Margaret, like I'm hearing big undertaking really and like your, your conscience is guiding you to do something that basically no one else around you in your immediate life is is doing like is that quite typical of you are there other areas in your in your life at that age or around that age where you're you're making these bold strides and, and doing things differently to other people or, or was this quite unique <laughs> hmm. you probably have to ask everybody else. <laughs> I, I i am very strong-minded and strong-willed i do have opinions um, as I said, I don't mind being different and I don't mind people taking the mick or or joking. And, and I think that's something that a lot of vegans need to take on board, that very, very often I'm sure people are only joking. They literally are only joking. Personally, I think, you know, laugh along with it. So it shows that you can laugh at yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would agree with that. Personally, I, I have found in, in the early days of being vegan, particularly when there wasn't much awareness of it i'm aware i'm aware that that's relatively speaking um compared to your experience but that would sometimes lead me into situations where i didn't feel able to completely stick to it 100 percent in the early days because somebody's already cooked me a meal because they've they've misunderstood what what's allowed quote unquote and what's not is that something that you experienced or or was it just a case of you saying no i'm not i'm not having it i don't i don't care i i know i i I'm afraid I would have said, no, I'm not having it. And that probably wouldn't have done the cause any good because, you know, I've done this special for you. And, you know, (laughs) and I do actually remember when um, first first got to know my husband's family and we went to tea and they'd done lots of um, salady things with cheese and eggs. Of course, I, you know, thank you very much. Um, Oh, no, but I couldn't have eaten it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I couldn't. You know, I just I had to had to politely decline. Yeah. But wherever I went, I always I always said, "Don't worry. Just you know, anything simple. I don't mind what I have. You don't have to do anything anything special for me." And that hung true actually because I I was mayor of the city back in ninety seven ninety eight. So obviously the mayor's invited to a lot of different places, and obviously there's some you know dietary requirements. And again with that. I said, just do something simple. 
but I had some fantastic meals and you know helped fly the flag for veganism I felt yeah I was gonna say surely being mayor and being vegan in the late 90s when the awareness of it is is not very high at all like that that must have done veganism a lot of good I like to think so yeah (laughs) excellent well good for you I'm interested you've obviously got a, a long span of being able to chart the progress of of veganism and what it's like to be vegan what I tend to hear from people no matter whether they went vegan 12 months ago or five years ago or 20 years ago is people say oh it's it's just it's just got so much better and I'm I'm wondering like the well it's, it's going to be over 50 years isn't it for, for you yeah. was there a point where you really saw things taking off like if you had to pinpoint like the period with the biggest change the biggest flux like when would that be from from your vantage point i would say late 90s getting on to the the millennium really that's when i found it much easier and and going into a cafe and there was actually something on the menu that was vegan you didn't have to phone up beforehand and say can you do something vegan yeah, it would, be, it would be late late nineties. And and the thing, so to confirm, the things that would kind of stand out then to kind of mark that shift would be things appearing on on menus. Like what about supermarkets? People's awareness. Yeah, yeah. See, I yeah, think I... supermarket and cheese, <laughs> cheese. You see, we didn't have cheese. I mean, we we used to make up. Um, it was tomal margarine, soy flour. And yeast extract mm. <laughs> all mixed up together, um, and that was a cheesy flavour. That was their cheese, and to be honest, that was the only thing I missed because I had really liked cheese, so mm. it was the only thing I missed when I became vegan. But no way would would, would I've eaten it. So we had this funny little cheese cheese spread, but when cheese came on the supermarkets, Charles. I know how much some vegans say they're not stuck and it's not like real cheese. My goodness, it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's how I remember it. Yeah, yeah. well, absolutely. I, I, I don't know about you, but my experience is um, kind of going vegan can be quite a humbling thing to do and that you, like you're saying, just asking for basic things for me, like a basic thing is fine. Um, and I, I quite like that, actually, that it, it, it can bring that trait about in in somebody and that that you're not needing elaborate things and same for cheese actually like it doesn't have to be a hundred percent exactly the same does it actually what do we want well we want something that might melt a little bit and might have a slightly cheesy taste and that's that's fine that's good enough you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely so what would you say have been the biggest helpers for you as I, i either in terms of things that have come along culturally that are that are tools that come along that have made things easier or things you've developed in yourself things you've learned or approaches that you've developed what have been the things that have really facilitated being vegan and living as a vegan obviously originally my mom baking everything then stuff coming on the supermarket shelves so you see more normal um and you definitely see more normal when you go out and you don't have to ring up beforehand but saying that um, the, the times, and I'm sure other vegans have experienced this, the times that you, you ask for them to do something, so it doesn't have to be anything particularly special. And then when it comes out, it's lovely. And other people say, oh, that looks good. You know, oh, that, that smells good. Ooh. And great. I mean, that's why I always say when, when vegans say they don't want to join in the Christmas parties, some vegans, because it is uncomfortable when you mm. see somebody else ducking into um 
a chicken leg or something like that. But I always say it is important to go so that people see that you, you can lead a normal, happy life and be one of the gang. You don't have to miss out on anything. Yeah, no, I I, I would agree with that. It's um it's a fine line sometimes, isn't it? Because I, I don't know if you if you're in a bad mood and and you're just thinking, oh, I just can't be doing with all of this going on around me. It's it's the last thing you want, but it it can do a lot of good, can't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Are there things you think that are that you still find difficult, despite you know having been vegan for over fifty years and all the advances we've seen? A lot of being vegan is going to be completely natural to you now, but are there are there still things that that you find difficult? I think the only thing I find difficult is when people get gluten-free and veganism muddled up and they go and buy you some biscuits, especially because they're vegan and gluten-free. They think that vegans have got to be gluten-free and then they're a little bit tough. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably it, actually. Yeah. Well, that's that's good, isn't it? That's that's reassuring. That's reassuring. No, that's, that's cool. If you could go back to your 16-year-old self and either give them some advice or just relive it again, like what, what would you say? What would you do differently, if anything? Personally, I don't think I would do anything differently. I would always encourage everybody to go for it. Make sure you eat sensibly. Make sure you have a healthy meal. Mm. Make sure you have all your, your vitamins and proteins and everything from your food. You know, it's not necessary to have all the supplements that some people think you need to have. And, you know, where do you get your protein from? How many times have we heard that? But you do need to eat eat sensibly, as does everybody, including meat eaters. Mm. Yeah, it's often overlooked that, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, And I'm interested as well, like, do you think there are some elements of, of being vegan in 2024 that are actually more difficult than when you first started. I'm, I'm, I think, for example, personally, vegans have a lot more scrutiny put on them now and things are more in the spotlight and people are more likely to have well-rehearsed arguments against it compared to 10 years ago for me when most people didn't even know what it was. So though you're dealing with an ignorance there, you can at least educate people, whereas now I feel like there's more opposition. I, I just wonder if, you, if there are some elements of... Um, veganism being so such a minority thing that people haven't heard of it that actually make it easier i hear what you're saying personally i haven't experienced it but it's probably because i do take things just you know um like i'll I'll laugh or joke about something and make sure i make my points of view known Mm. but i'll try not to be too serious about it Mm. um and i think that helps yes yeah would, would that be one of the, the pieces of advice you might give to somebody sort of thinking about becoming vegan is uh, develop your sense of humour? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yes, I, yes, I would. Because I think that's one of the obstacles. And this is perhaps a bit of a controversial thing to me to say. And I, I, I would hate to discourage or upset any vegans. But I think sometimes, shall we say, angry vegans can perhaps do the cause more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Because anybody who really rams it down your throat... Don't get me wrong, you know, I, I've, I've had my, my goes at demos and, and everything against Fox hunting and had a good shape myself. But I think if you are reasonable and you present a reason, reasoned argument and you're polite, you're going to get much farther than if you rant and rave at somebody. And when you think about it, that, that's only common sense because 
put yourself in in their position. If somebody is is having a go at you and ranting and raving, you're much more likely to pull the shutters down than if they're putting a reasoned argument over to you. So I would say keep calm. Um, take a lot of it with, with a pinch of salt. Because if you bite, they'll just get worse. Mm. It, will ju- it will just continue. So just keep calm. I, I like that. That's that's a good tip. Where, where do you think that comes from then, that, that kind of angriness? Because it's, it's something we see a lot of, isn't it? And I, I think I've probably felt it a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose it's because you do think about what animals mm. go through and it's unnecessary and you, you can't understand somebody doing it. And then the old argument where people couldn't possibly eat a dog or a cat, but they don't look at a pig mm. the same. And something that I saw, I've always found not strange because it's not when they have barbecues at animal rescue shows and you know there's it's a dog show and they're raising money for these stray dogs but it's pigs and and pigs are as intelligent as dogs um and there's a great long queue at the barbecue but I'm very pleased to see now that there doesn't seem to be that much of a queue and if you've got a vegetarian or vegan alternative people will take that as well. I'm really lucky because in our local RSPCA rescue shelter they have got a policy that there's no meat or fish ever served at their events. They they can see it and and that helps because that helps spread the word to uh, the unconverted. Yes. Yes and 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 very often uh, sort of domestic animals are, are almost people's way in aren't they in that they foster compassion for those companion animals they haven't quite connected the dots yet but if you can like you say meet people where they are and say oh actually we're not we're not serving any animal products because don't forget there's there's many animals exploited uh, that we can mm-hmm. we can show compassion for i mean i think i'm right in saying that the rspca as an organization is getting a lot better at that as across the board aren't they um which which is good to see can you remember what your what your friends responses were when you became vegan back in the in the late 60s how did they respond it's thinking thinking way back um i i can't remember i I can't remember because obviously i was at school and i I can't remember how they reacted. So when I when I was at work, it was all, I, I can remember that because, as I said, I can remember people bringing cake in, um, but me 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 apple or me orange, mm. which sort of really appreciated. But uh, I mean, in 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 fact, like I I can hear one mate saying now, "Oh, Margaret, you don't know what you're missing," because <laughs> um, <laughs> they were tucking into a cream cake, you know, and I had this orange. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, it, that suggests to me that there's nothing too traumatic that has come from uh, living a lifestyle slightly different to other people's. Definitely not, yeah. no. That, no. That, that's reassuring then, isn't it? Did you notice a difference when you left home? Like, did that did that make things easier? Or it sounds like you were very well catered for at home, so perhaps it added an extra level of challenge. Oh, yeah, I was. Um, I suppose because I was brought up with somebody doing doing the own cooking, then, you know, I, I just continued it myself at home. And then it was, let's see, 1976 when I got married, so I was doing all the cooking and that myself so it, no, I can't I, I can't recall there ever being a problem but I said I suppose it was because I was always brought up way in, in a family and a long time ago <laughs> where, where your dinner was cooked well didn't have knowing how to cook certainly used to be a, a really important cornerstone of of being vegan I, I think it still is now even though we you know you could very easily from any supermarket buy seven different pre-made meals 
a, a, a week, it's I think it still helps, doesn't it? Or maybe that's just a general thing in in society. No matter what your diet is, it's it's better if you know how to cook, really, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Even just from an economical point of view, what would you say are the things that are difficult for vegans that maybe there could be more support for? Is there anything that you kind of think we're not we're not helping new vegans with enough? Because there's, I mean, there's definitely, for example, lots more food options in supermarkets now or at restaurants. Do you think? Do you think there are things we're missing? Do you think there are places in the vegan community where we could be giving more support, or are we doing a decent job? I think the vegans, the vegan community, are doing a decent job. Um, although I haven't experienced it myself, I have read, particularly on the internet and in other parts of the country where people have had problems when they go into hospital and then they're not looked after very well for their food or indeed school meals. So I I haven't experienced it, but but I've read that, you know, and then that makes me think about another thing about how times have changed because, of course, back in 1968, there was no internet, was there? Gosh, when I think about it, I don't really know how my mum managed because it was really, really different. But you just bought your recipe books. And you got on with it. Yeah, I mean, did stuff come from the vegan society? Presumably they had a bigger role to play in terms of distrib- distributing information and recipes and nutritional information? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they I'm not sure if it was a vegan society or another organisation that used to shoot something out every year that told you what was cruelty-free. And by cruelty-free, I mean um, vegan as well as not tested on animals. Mm. And so it often mentioned things which today we would say are accidentally vegan. Right, okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's true, because that reminds me of the first time that I had a cream cracker for years because these particular cream crackers, that they were they were vegan. Yes. <laughs> as I said, nowadays we'd call it accidentally vegan. Yes. Well, I, I remember about... About 10 years ago, um, Tesco used to release a list every few months of everything in their shop that was completely free from animal products. But it was something you really had to seek out Mm. and we'd sort of print it out and you'd have this huge list that wasn't particularly user friendly, but it did at least. It did at least list everything, but of course it changed because these things that are accidentally vegan, well, they can very quickly become accidentally unvegan again. Oh, quite, yes. So there still is a little bit of the old reading the labels, and that reminds me, you know, going about... Because when I was first vegan, didn't have to put the ingredients on on anything. And then they started putting ingredients, so the times you're in the supermarket, you know, you're, you're really struggling and reading, yeah, and going through everything. And I've, I've still even done it of late, you know, and then I'm seeing a great big V in a vegan society trademark, and I've just read through all these ingredients. But you need to, because now am I pronouncing it correctly, alcistine, which is often shoved into bread these days, and it's made from feathers. You know, it's in bread. God. I mean, everyone should be told that, shouldn't they? Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's still there's still some things that might catch you out if you're not careful. Yeah. No, it's it like you say, it becomes a reflex, doesn't it? Just just scanning through things. And uh, I hadn't even yeah. clocked that there was a of course a time when ingredients weren't even written on things. Mm-hmm, that's right, yeah. Because I I think I'd just become vegan when um the allergy stuff being put in bold became a thing and that that made things yeah. a lot easier didn't it oh definitely yeah yeah so with, it, with anything that you bought that's when that little booklet i wish i could think what organization it wasn't vegans as i wish you think what it was when with 
they they scrutinised, they wrote to companies. And, of course, yeah, I used to write to companies. I used to write write off to say, you know, is there anything in your biscuit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for example? Yeah. You know, is it vegan? Is it suitable for vegan? And then, of course, you had to say what vegans, what veganism was back then, didn't you? You know, that there was no animal products or fish products or dairy whatsoever, nothing from an animal or a fish. Yeah. So can we examine then a little bit in terms of your journey through veganism like it's it's sounding like there's been quite quite a lot of activism that's that's coming in there like was that something that's like right from day one you're writing letters to people and and campaigning or is that something as most people would perhaps experience where it's it's developed over time thinking about it it was uh, right from square one wow. you, you know even if it was just writing to companies and saying is your product suitable the retweet yeah and yes campaigning and you know living in the heart of the country as well obviously we used to have the fox hunt go past my gate so not only did i have the cows and the calves and they were separated you know i'd got the, the fox hunt and i do remember as youngster actually that was before i was vegan which i remember having a go at them <laughs> so they were the first seeds then yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's one of the, I mean, perhaps digressing, so you probably wouldn't want to include that. But I, mean, I can remember, as I said, born and raised in the heart of the country, and it was fox hunting. Now, my godmother was actually secretary of the Worcestershire Hunt. And believe it or not, as a kid, I used to like to go to her home to see the fox's heads and the fox's tails because I loved animals. But I was a kid then, you know, and I yeah. didn't make that connection. And unfortunately, when I, when I did, that was the end of my godmother, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, oh dear, this dreadful person who hunts. <laughs> so yeah, I think it has been in me to campaign since square one. Would you say the way that you've sort of lived your life as a vegan has has that changed over time in in terms of how you've you've seen yourself or or what your role needs to be as a vegan, or has that been pretty consistent throughout? Apart from the fact that I would 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 say we're a, a mellow somewhat um no probably pretty pretty consistent no and actually i mean strike that i haven't mellowed have i (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm still as strong i'm still as strong vegan as as ever perhaps perhaps would it be more more accepting i mean following the the bit where you know somebody's arguing with you you you, no i've always been like it no forget that (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't think I'm changed. Yeah, well, no, it's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because I, some people you you either in you either see it in yourself or or you can see it in others, like a, a definite evolution. And you know, there'll be a time when somebody's quite quiet and almost like a secret vegan, and then all of a sudden they they pop up and they're all over Facebook or they're at demos or, or, or whatever. And um, and whereas others will will keep a consistent path. It's it's interesting how that happens. Just to finish off then, we've heard very wise words in terms of retaining a sense of humour and taking taking banter with a pinch of salt. What other advice would you give to people who are engaging with, with veganism now, listening to this? This is their, you know, their first few weeks, first few months, or maybe it's something that they're about to enter into. What do you think will help it be a a successful transition a successful journey for them never be frightened to ask advice from another vegan or vegan organization anything that you might think is a silly question to ask 
you know, it, it isn't just ask it. And obviously it's so much easier now when you've got the internet so you can just put things on there and, and stick to it. Eat healthily. I mean, if somebody does put on now to say how they're tempted to, to eat a chicken leg, you know, how do you manage? How do you stay away from it? You know, I go back to thinking that's it. You know, you, your conscience won't let you, or my conscience would never let me because I'd always think about the chicken. Mm. Yeah, never be frightened to ask any questions, however silly it may seem. If you do slip up, don't worry about it because we all make mistakes, however mm. experienced that we are. Mm. And Anybody who is concerned and says, oh, you, you can't live healthily and they try to get you, to, you know, say you should eat this, that and the other, just seek advice from the experienced ones, you know, and there's it, me, I'm, you know, I'm 71 now, I've um, been vegan, <laughs> old. I've been vegan for 55 years and there are, I'm not the only one, you know, yeah. um, don't think you're going to collapse and you're going to be anemic or anything like that, just eat healthily and You'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, anyone with those concerns, I'll just send them to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and that is good as well, I think, as well, if you can get a buddy. Yeah. So somebody who can encourage you to give you advice and answer your questions. Yeah, absolutely. Margaret, thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really lovely. And uh, I know lots of people will have gained an awful lot from hearing from you. So thank you very much. Oh, that's a pleasure. Thank you, Anthony. Wow, what an incredible conversation. What an incredible person. I'm so grateful as a vegan to to people like Margaret who were there doing it over 50 years ago where no one knew what it was. There must have been so many practical difficulties, uh, but because of their persistence and because she stuck at it, we're now able to, first of all, know about veganism, but also enjoy it in a way that that has let's face it far fewer obstacles so so much gratitude to, to margaret for all she and, and people like her have done as well as her time sharing it on the going vegan show remember there's plenty more episodes of going vegan on your podcast feed and you'll also see the vegan week news show that we do each monday vegan talk discussion show on thursdays it's all there Get in touch with us, share your thoughts, give us your feedback. We love hearing from you. And heck, if you want to join us on the show, that'd be great to get in touch. Thanks for listening and join us again soon.